Trauma. It's a word that you've probably heard thrown around quite a bit, but what is trauma, really? My name is Shanna White, but you can call me Shan. I'm a psychologist, and defining trauma is a pretty big part of my day-to-day life. But my job goes beyond providing a dictionary description of what trauma is, because that's just the tip of the iceberg, as they say. No, my job is to define trauma, to highlight its impacts, and most importantly, to help those who've lived through it to figure out how to thrive beyond it. I've spent years working with children, adolescents, and adults, trying to guide them through the process of recovering from complex trauma. Needless to say, I've seen and heard a lot, and now you will too. But first, a trigger warning. This podcast deals with some pretty heavy topics, including domestic violence, substance abuse, mental illness, crimes against children, self-harm, sexual abuse, multi-generational trauma, and suicide. If you don't think you're in the right headspace to deal with any of these topics right now, please cut yourself some slack, take a deep breath, and come back another day. I'll be here. I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and elders on all the lands on which we work and meet. I appreciate the significant place Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders hold, and I identify them as the first Australians. I value and celebrate Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander history, culture, and future, and I'm committed to supporting reconciliation through speaking the truth, pursuing justice, and creating opportunities to heal together. I pay my deep respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander elders past and present and acknowledge all Aboriginal children, young people, families and staff who I provide services to now and in the future. I embrace and commit to the spirit of work and self-determination, empowerment and reconciliation. The Trauma Tale started as a little passion project to entertain me during lockdown, but it's turned into something so much more than I ever could have imagined. I'm the host, the producer, the admin, marketing, content developer, social media manager and designer. I could sell the Trauma Tales, but that would mean that the anonymity of the people I interview wouldn't be as protected as it is now. See, it's only me who knows and I swore to protect the people who share their stories with you. But that means that I don't get to take in any of the network's funds either. So to keep the trauma tales running, I've launched a Patreon account for those of you who want more than just the regular seasons. Patreon will be entitled to discounted merch, extra content, and heaps more, like Q&As with me. So to help me keep this podcast going, jump on the link in the show notes and make a one-time contribution or a monthly subscription so I can keep sharing these stories with you and protect those who honour us with their tales. Welcome back to the Trauma Tales, everybody. Today we have Veronica joining us. Hi, Veronica. How are you going? Yeah, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. How are you? I'm really good, thanks. So tell us a little bit about a period of time in your life where you experienced trauma and what was happening. Um, so we're winding back 16 years. Okay. When I came out as gay to my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, How old were you? I was 20. It was the day after my 20th birthday. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So that is that a late coming out? Um, look, I'd, I'd always known okay. that I was attracted to females. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
growing up as an only child in a very Catholic household made it um, difficult and already knowing my parents' um, opinions and feelings towards homosexuality. Just, um, yeah, it was, I actually never thought I was going to tell them at that stage in my life. And I'd been with my girlfriend for a year and it, I couldn't sort of, I, I pretty much was living two different lives and I was splitting my time and I couldn't sort of include my girlfriend in family things and mm. I just knew that my parents wouldn't take it well. But I hit a point where I just felt like I had to tell them, you know, because I mean, it's almost like that. It's almost like that stereotypical, like, religious thing of of being guilted by your parents. And um, I wanted to spend my birth my my birthday with my girlfriend, and I mean, they couldn't understand why I didn't want to spend it with them and it just to be fair most 20 year olds don't want to spend their birthday with their parents oh 100 <laughs> percent yeah these were my parents so and I don't think they understood that no so um so what made the decision for you I think it was just pretty much always having to hide who I was mm. and I didn't really want to live that way so You'd already been doing it for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't my first girlfriend either. Mm. I had my first girlfriend at 16. So we're four years on, sort of being practicing. Yes. <laughs> practicing <laughs> lesbian, if we can call it that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, um, and I suppose that was that was hard because, you know what, like aside from that part of um, who I am and who I was like up until pretty much that point in time, I'd been a practicing Catholic. And as a kid, my parents took me to church every Sunday and that felt right. And that felt natural. And even when my dad stopped going to church, I continued to, and like, I might even go by myself. Like that's, I, I liked that part of me Mm. but um I struggled 100% I struggled but with what What well you know sort of knowing the church's opinion of homosexuality um which I mean it I suppose that's questionable these days but you know in the early 2000s like it was still very much uh, not accepted. Mm. Um, In my father's words, it was an abomination. So um, that's how he'd sort of described homosexuality. Um, And that was when he didn't know that you were gay? That's when he knew. This episode of The Trauma Tales is brought to you by Cognitive Behavioural Education providing training and supervision for people working with people who experience trauma. If you work with people, you know how challenging it can be sometimes and how you can end up having the wrong end of someone's day or having to deal with their trauma. 
CBE's training and supervision services can upskill and support you and your team to manage, de-escalate and thrive in these situations. For more information, go to www.cbe.net.au. So walk me through that the day after your 20th, 20th birthday, what so, happened? You went to your parents' house? Yeah, so I'd been staying with my grandmother. Like my, my girlfriend and I had been staying with my grandmother. We'd been there for about a week. and um, Wait, and, sorry. So your grandmother knew? Well, here's the here's thing. So it's like she knew but she it hadn't been confirmed for her. Right. Like I think she kind of knew what was going on but – um, so I actually came out to my grandmother first. I said, I've got to go home. And she said, why? And I said, I need to talk to my parents. And she said, okay, what about? And I said, I need to tell them that I'm gay. And she, um, like she started crying, but it wasn't like a, oh, this is terrible type of thing. I think it was just more that her suspicions had been confirmed. Do you think she knew that you going home to tell your parents wasn't good, sorry, wasn't going to go well and that yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay. And, um, she offered to come with me and at, at first I said, no, I think I need to do this on my own. And then I quickly 180'd and <laughs> got her to come with me. Get in the car, Nan, we're going. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. So you'd had the conversation with Nan. Yeah. Got in the car and my girlfriend came with and um we we dropped her off at at the neighborhood park up the road because we knew that her being there just it it wouldn't help the situation. Mm-hmm. Um so when we sat down with my parents, like my dad said uh, so what brings you here, mum? And she said something like, uh, I'm, I'm here to, to sort of, um, support because like, she's got something to, to say and, um, it's, you, you could kind of feel the tension in the air mm. and. Hey, it's me. Sorry to interrupt. Um, I'll let you get back to it in just a sec, but. I just wanted to stop for a second because I really wanted to celebrate this little podcast and how much it, it has grown in just a year. So I want to celebrate with each and every person who has honoured not only me, but over 2,000 people with their stories. So I want to invite you to a party. So join me on the 29th of April, 2022 at 8.30pm Australian Eastern Standard Time for a completely free online cocktail party. I'm going to be interviewing some special guests. We're going to have giveaways. We're going to play games and I'm going to make some big announcements. So to get your free tickets, go to our link tree and click on the tickets. It should be in the show notes. Don't forget to connect on Facebook and Instagram for some personally curated cocktails that we can enjoy together. All right, guys, back to it now. I'll see you at the cocktail party. Bye. I can't exactly remember how the the conversation progressed, but then I just remember shouting out, like, "I'm, I'm gay. And then dad turning around to my nan and saying, get out. Like it was almost like that he was blaming her for enabling me or something like that. He yelled at her to get out. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, 
I'm not leaving until Veronica asked me to leave. So, yeah. She was pretty staunch. She's amazing. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Yeah. If, um, yeah, she's, she's amazing. Um, so she's, um, yeah, she's, she's just always been an advocate for me. Um, and, and yeah, look, 16 years later, my parents still haven't accepted. So what happened that day next after he? I can't actually remember the rest of that day. I remember Nan eventually left probably when she felt like I was in a place where I could be left um and she picked up my girlfriend from the park and she dropped off at the train station and and you know they both went to their respective homes and why did you stay I'm curious Yeah, look, I, I'd, I'd never actually really thought about it, <laughs> like why I stayed. Probably I was still living at home. I don't know that I was – I think I was probably afraid of what my parents would do if I'd left, like kind of whether they would storm my nan's place or storm my parent, um, my, my girlfriend's place, like – so they knew who your girlfriend was, but yeah. that you did not told them previously. That obviously, she, yeah. But you told my, them that day that she was your girlfriend. Yeah, my my dad had questioned me probably about a year before, and I I think I probably denied it, um, or something like that. But um, yeah, yeah. But the the bigger thing was like either the next day or the day after that they um drove me up to Newcastle to see their priest, which was, yeah, like I remember getting up, getting up there and um, we we were sitting in the presbytery, which is where the, the house where the priest lives, mm-hmm. sitting in the lounge room and we were each on an armchair and, and even my little dog was in there as well. <laughs> he, came, he came for the he car. He took the dog. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and um, Dad said, would you like to go to confession with Father? And I said, no. He said, oh, okay, well, would you like to have a chat with Father? I said, no. And he said, okay, we'll go and have a chat with Father. I said, okay. And I just remember sitting in the presbytery lounge room with my dog <laughs> glad the dog was there now. yeah 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 it's like my little support man <laughs> support puppy I yeah um and look it was it was back in the day where we had little nokia phones as well they were they were snake yeah yes yeah, good times mate good times and you had to text messages that was a commitment you wanted an s you four times on that bastard. That that's right, mm, and mm. um, and they cost twenty five cents each. So that's a big, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, there were no caps back then. So, um, yeah. So I think I probably sent my girlfriend a message, but like 
I, I kind of can picture where I was, but <coughs> excuse me, not quite how it all eventuated. But um, yeah, look, at following that um, in the next month, because um, this was during uni break, like, um, I remember my parents waking me up in the middle of one night just saying that they didn't want me to go back to that uni because that's where I'd met my girlfriend. And mm. my response to that was I put my fist through the window. So I broke the glass with my hand. And then the very next morning I jumped on the first available bus because, um, like, I lived over an hour away from uni. Jumped on the bus and jumped on the train and went to my girlfriend's place. But, um, yeah, look, I still stayed living there, like, at my parents' place for two and a half years after that. So, I don't know, there was a part of me that was just probably afraid to leave. Um, can't quite put my finger on it, why I stayed. Like, like I was, I was probably part of me still felt very much like a kid. Um, but I mean, it was just that whole thing of, um, like, I think about eight months had passed since I'd come out to my parents and over that eight months, um, my relationship with my girlfriend got more and more strained because I was very much boxed in at my mm. parents' place. Like yeah. I let them have a lot of control over me. Did you let them or was it taken? Look, it was probably a bit of both. Again, like, I mean, I'd never lived out of home. I was still living at home. And so in their eyes, I was still very much a child, not even a young adult. Like, I was a child. And how could I know what I wanted and you know, this isn't right and that kind of thing. And, and like in, in, in like when I first came out to my parents and I remember having conversations with them, like both heated and some quite emotional, some one-on-one -on -one and some with the three of us there. Um, and like they, particularly my dad had, told me about trauma that he'd suffered ones that I would have never picked like from his childhood and um I think that part of that had probably shaped his opinion of of um life in general and probably maybe why he clung to religion so much mm. um and also I mean he he grew up without a father too so I think a lot of sort of um authoritative male figures like he would pretty much look to like you know going to church and mm. the priest is the head of the yeah. congregation that kind of thing um yeah so it, i mean obviously with with anything there's always layers and complications but yeah. the end result's still the same like they they still haven't come to terms with it and even um this well, in in the last twelve months, I came out of a twelve year relationship. Sorry, yeah. You were saying that it it 
impacted on your relationship with your girlfriend got really strained. What happened? We we parted ways. We we broke up. And um, yeah. And then you met this other person. Oh look. Or uh, left home. Yeah. Look. Yeah. So so we broke up, and um, I that was in my last semester of uni, and I finished uni. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty rough. But hey, completed my degree, so um, at least got through that. And um, yeah, look, I, I went out and sort of acted as a free agent, sort of, you know, explored the, the gay scene a bit. And um, yeah, look, I, I met somebody and, and we were on and off for a few years. So we were solidly together for a year, but for that I, it was almost like history repeating itself, like because um, I was still living at home. I was still under the thumb of my parents. Um, so for somebody who had moved interstate and was very much living her life, it, it just didn't work. Hmm. Um, but then a year, the following year I'd, I had moved out of home and I, I haven't gone back since so um like I finally it was in my own time there was no pressure from anyone else I had the I suppose the catalyst was I'd had an argument with my father and we hadn't spoken for a week and I was like do you remember what the argument was about no (laughs) must have been a cracker yeah (laughs) look we'd we'd had a few of those ones where yeah we'd uh, where we'd argue and um I, I remember one that was oh, not long before I'd come out to him, but um, I'd I'd called the prime minister at the time a wanker at the dinner table, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he he pulled me up on it, and I went to bed, and we didn't speak for a week after that. So okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the he probably was a wanker. Oh look. Hundred percent, but but you know, like it, and and you know, my father wasn't a supporter of that prime minister. It was just, I suppose, more of a respect thing, you know. Oh, um, it's like don't call people that. <laughs> so a really sort of conservative space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really conservative household. Quite, yeah. I mean, it's not from appearances. You kind of wouldn't expect it. Um, like I'm, I'm a child of the eighties, and. I'm the product of a biracial or an interracial relationship and back then that was still pretty fresh and mm. questionable um but yeah like it was so it sort of pick pick and choose your bigotry yeah yeah very much very much okay. so um yeah so so look we we'd had those arguments before um one of the things I've taken from my father is a fiery temper. So we're kind of like bulls that lock horns and, you know, yep. you, you lock horns and, and neither one of your backs down. Yep. So, <laughs> um, yeah, so, yeah, obviously on, on whatever it was we'd argued over, we'd locked horns and I was like, that's it, I'm not staying here and, um yeah, I reached out to a friend who sort of put his room up for rent or a room in 
a share house up for rent and I started moving without telling my dad. Like I, I told mum I was going um, and she wasn't happy. She kind of understood. Um, By this time you would have been what, 22? Exactly. Yeah, I was 22. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I literally did a bunch of trips in my four-wheel drive and, and was out. Um, what did you say when you moved out? are you sure about this what why do you want to move out and I said I need my own space and he's like but you're going to like a place where you've just got your own room like how's that having space and it was pretty much space from you (laughs) you know did you say that I can't quite remember maybe I did um I I know we had the conversation in the car and um, funnily enough, I, I was the one driving at the time because he'd lost his driver's license for six months. So Wow, what for? Yeah. Um, I can't remember was it a speed thing or whether it was a DUI. I think okay. it was a DUI. In this gift-giving season, I want to introduce you to Mind Love. They're a hamper company but with a difference. So most hampers are like about flowers or wine or chockies, robes and candles. And these are all really lovely, but sometimes you want something more personal for the person's needs. Mind Love is a hamper company about our mental health. So you can go to the website and you can either build a hamper from scratch and put anything you like in it from a huge range of products. Or if you prefer, you can select from an already curated hamper and their products are incredible. So I actually had one made for Frankie's wife when she had surgery. It was chock full of amazingness. I selected the ultimate pamper package because she really needed some relaxation and self-care time after everything that had happened in the last few months. She loved it. She told me it was exactly what she needed. And Mind Love isn't just for adults. They have heaps of products and packages for kids and teens as well. So if you wanna give something to support someone you love, show them that you hear them and that you see them and help to normalize mental health go to mindlove.com.au. That's M-I-N-D-L-O-V-E.com.au. Say hi to Jen for me. Tell her I sent you mindlove.com.au. All about prioritizing self-care and mental health. Oh, Um, yeah. Okay. And look, since then, not since that exact moment, but since in that space not like in the next couple of years he stopped drinking altogether like my mum had said something like she had enough and yeah he hasn't he hasn't had anything since um but it's funny like I I can never remember my father being an alcoholic or seeing him ridiculously drunk like maybe once or twice and and not in an aggressive way or anything like that, but it was just something that made my mother uncomfortable because she doesn't drink mm. like at all. So, like, uh, yeah, look, there was that. But um, yeah, and and a week after my mum, uh, sorry, a week after I moved out of home, my mum had a stroke. So that was that was pretty intense, and obviously the thought. Probably my initial thought was I'm going to have to move back home to sort of support my parents. And it was my nan that sort of 
said to me, don't you dare move back home unless you want to, unless it's because what you want. And I didn't. Nan coming in, <laughs> save the day again. Yeah, she was kind of like the voice of reason. Yeah. So, you know, I still helped my dad because uh, I think it was only a couple of weeks later he got his license back. Um, but, you know, would go over to the hospital, would go over, then she went from the hospital to rehab, so then would go to there. And, but, um, yeah, and, look, part of me probably questions, I, I don't know if I actually blamed myself, but questioned whether, you know, that argument that led to me moving out, whether that played a part in mum's stress levels, which led to the stroke, you know, there was always I mean it's still a question hmm. and look she she recovered she she worked really hard and she really well you know and, and I mean she she um you know walks and talks and she, she's not disabled or anything like that good so. so what about now where are you now well so like I said you know I um was on and off again with another sort of girlfriend for a few years after that mm-hmm. um and then I I when I was 23 I met um someone who then became my partner of 12 years so you know long mm. like we thought it was kind of going to be a forever thing like we bought three properties together like we lived in in a few rentals of yeah two two three rentals together, but you know we were very invested. Mm. Um, you know had the the household of dogs and cats and um, like I said three properties and several houses homes that we'd shared and my parents never came to one of them. I'd talk about renos and that kind of thing and ask my dad for ideas or help because dad's a builder so he should know things and yet never gave me any help so mum mum gave me some financial assistance which you know was appreciated but yeah like it, they just kind of prefer to pretend that it didn't exist so you you still see and you still have a relationship <coughs> with your parents, but they would just pretend your your partner of twelve years just didn't exist. Pretty much, yeah. Mum eventually got to the point where she might send some food home for me to ask if uh, would would she eat this or would she eat that, and she'd pack some you know takeaway, you know, and send it home. But that's that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, How did your partner feel about that? I think she probably numbed herself to it, really. I mean, my my part my partner's um, mum, so my my mother-in-law, for a want of a better word. I mean, she I had a far better relationship with her. Hmm. Like I called her mum even since we split. Um, you know, we're on good terms. So and and she she's still an important person to me. So I still call her ma. Um. Yes, I mean, I could have open conversations with her that, you know, I could never have. Like, she's, 
you know, even, yeah, she and my nan get along quite well. <laughs> you know, they're both strong women that have had I to deal with a lot. I think I'd get along with your nan. She sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. They're both strong women who have had to deal with a lot in their life, so. Getting a tattoo can be a really intense experience. The smell is unique. The space is often exactly what our parents' greatest fears for our teenies were, and sometimes the people can seem intimidating. And this can make it really hard to go through getting that tattoo, especially if you've never done it before. Trauma Tats is a boutique studio where the whole experience, from the time that you call or message, to supporting you to develop your artwork, to making you feel comfortable and safe in the space, to managing big emotions that tattoos can bring to your aftercare, the whole experience is about you and meeting your needs, where you're at and making sure that the story that your tattoo is telling is nurtured and honoured. With special care for those whose stories sit in the trauma space, you, your tattoo and your story are safe with Trauma Tats. If we've ever met or you've seen me online, you probably noticed that I have some tattoos. If you ask me, I'll tell you about them. My tattoos tell a story, just like the ones that I share with you on the Trauma Tales. If you have a story to share or honour and want to do that in a space where you feel safe and respected, contact Trauma Tats, a professional tattoo studio to work through what you've been through. Find them on Instagram or Facebook at TraumaTats1T and tell them Shan sent me. So I'm really curious. Did you ever, do you know what happened to the girlfriend that you broke up with after the coming out? Yeah, yeah. Are, are we going there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going there. Yeah, so after um, the partner of 12 years and I sort of, separated and like we the my my girlfriend at the time um the one from uni um like she went on and and to to another relationship and she was in that for 13 years and um you know they done pretty much the same thing they'd bought property um did the dog and the cats and that kind of thing um you know, they'd, they'd tried to go through IVF and, and um, you know, weren't successful after a few rounds, so they ended up fostering kids. Um, and, and, like, we kept in touch, like, back when we were at uni, like, you know, we were in the Nokia days, so no Facebook back then, Mm-mm. but a few years. That was MySpace. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it had even quite kicked in then. I think it was 2006 that oh, MySpace yeah. might have kicked off yeah. I loved my space sorry uh, let's not go down that yeah yeah we'll be here all day but um yeah so so when Facebook sort of kicked off um said girlfriend reached out to me and at first I was like what's she doing well I don't want to talk to her blah 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 so um I literally let that invite sit there for <laughs> oh, no <laughs> probably a few weeks or something <laughs> And, I mean, it it was quite sweet, like, that on-again, off-again girlfriend. We were on again at that point. Um, she actually said to me, you should accept it, like, you know. So I did and, and you know, we'd, we'd touch base every couple of years, like, just, hey, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, nothing too deep, just... Just surface level, yeah. check in, you're still alive, great. How's your house plans? Good. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and you know, for from all appearances, I thought she was really happy. Like, um, you know, she seemed to be doing the family thing, had the partner, bought the properties, so on and so forth. Um, and eventually, you know, she did have a son through IVF. Um, and yeah, then a few years later on Facebook, I see this announcement that, you know, that, that they'd split and, and, things had gotten pretty messy in the end and yeah um and again we'd reach out probably averaged every two three years something like that and and pretty minimal conversation but um after my split uh, uh you know last year like we started talking bit more and and we reconnected and we reconnected <laughs> nice um so yeah. wait, wait 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 so you're dating the girl that you broke up with 16 years ago because when you came out you were dating her and your parents weren't okay with it and you're now dating well, well I married her <gasps> yay so yeah it was um it was like all the things that we struggled with, you know, in our early 20s, like as, as you know, sort of people in our mid-30s, it was like, well, we could we could deal with that. It's like those things, I mean, they were there, but they're not really important anymore. So all the stuff that we struggled with is a very young couple as a middle-aged couple it's sort of like well we've kind of got the life experience to be like yeah whatever <laughs> yeah that resilience it does come with age doesn't it yeah and and we'd both been in long-term relationships where you know in in the end we just weren't happy or you know you put up with so much like particularly when you are so invested like you just think, oh, it'll get better, it'll get better, um, and it, things don't change, mm. and you're just really unhappy in the end. For for us, it was, you know, two different sides. Like my ex and I, it it just didn't work out. Like, and and obviously, we we're both upset, and but but we don't hate each other. We can have a conversation. It's fine. Um, with my wife's ex, it's, um, not so clean cut, but, um, yeah, so, so, but, but in the end, like we just, um, yeah, like obviously it's kind of that we're new, but old, it's almost like we call it version two. So (laughs) two point oh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like a reincarnation. So um we got a happy ending yeah yeah we got a happy ending and and we're still working towards you know every ending like you know so life still keeps going even after the happy ending 100 percent, 100 percent. so like setting up our our the way that we want things but it, it's funny that yeah like we, we were kids back then and um and i mean it in ways we're still kids. <laughs> like, 
if if we keep going the way we are, we'll still be working for the next fifty years. So <laughs> yeah, well, on that depressing note, yeah. yeah. But so you experience this trauma, this this situation with your parents, and you know that a lot of people who are gay have experienced similar things, and worse, and worse, and better and worse and everything on that spectrum but I loved hearing that it all came full circle and you ended up back together with the girl yeah yeah and it's sort of like the um you you, it's like the people who are probably most want the support from I've kind of come to accept that I'm never going to get it if I do it's probably not going to be for a long time um but then I have pretty much the rest of my family who's like your nan oh my god your nan's nan's amazing she's a powerhouse yeah and and my aunts and even you know the aunt on the other side of the family who I wouldn't have picked it but she said to me a couple of weeks ago I just need to accept it (laughs) you know what we're going to put a pin in that because she's absolutely right. Oh. They just need to accept it because look how happy you are now. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for coming on our podcast today, Veronica. It was really awesome to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me today on The Trauma Tales. Now is a good time to go and do some self-care, especially if this tale resonated for you. If you'd like to reach out to The Trauma Tales to be a sponsor of the show or to come onto the show, please email The Trauma Tales, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. This podcast is a production of Shanna White Psychology.